All right, well, what a beautiful sound. <laughs> and uh, definitely feels surreal to be here, huh? And I can see many of you didn't forget where your seat is, so that's, that's always good as well. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like you like being together, which is a wonderful thing. Um, I can uh, just tell you how crazy it is for me because I've been looking at empty pews for months and months and months. And um, one of the things that as I was preaching to those pews, um, knowing that you were watching somewhere, hopefully, uh, is uh, at the very beginning of uh, when this uh, news of the pandemic came, one of the metaphors for me that came out of it early, so I was thinking, how do I teach, how do I help, um, was to return to my training, of course, I always talk about being a surfer, and how it really felt like at the beginning of the pandemic, like as if uh, we were in the impact zone of a multiple massive sets that were coming through. And when sets like that are coming as a surfer, you know that is the wrong time to start panicking, right? That's the time where you are going to deep dive and you're gonna calm yourself and you're gonna say, wherever I go, I go. But it is not the time to think about all the bad things that could possibly happen. It is only the time to brace for impact and see what happens. Well, to be here now with you, my church, again, as we resurface in this new season, one of my prayers is that we would be a new people, that we have gone on this journey. The waves have tossed us, um, and yet here we are. Yet here we are doing the thing that we always do, gathering together on this most sacred of days for our church, this wonderful uh, anniversary celebration that we get to have, um, and to praise our God, and to give glory to the one who built it all, who made us all, and has uh, brought us through the storm and into a new season. And so that's what we're gonna do now. Um, we're just going to turn to the Word of God um, and, and do what we always do here at church together. So will you pray with me and we'll dive in. Lord Jesus, we thank you for uh, being together. We thank you that you are a faithful God who carries us through every season. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, you are here present with us and we pray that you would do your work, do the things that only you can do. Lord Jesus, get me out of the way so that we might have more of you. Speak to everyone, Lord, who, uh, as we sing songs of joy, bring all of the experiences of life, um, all of the ups and downs and difficulties, um, and, and help them to know that they can still have that true joy. That's not just through song, um, not just through a, a new season, but it's through you in every season. We thank you for the testimony of this church, Lord, and those who have come before us who lived their season so well. And we stand on their shoulders now, Lord. Um, all of the gifts that gi they give us, help us to receive them and to be grateful for them. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we are gonna start a new sermon series today, and we're also gonna talk about the life of our church. 
Um, and we're going to do that through the text. And we're going to be going through uh, the book of 1 John through the whole summer for the next 10 weeks as we gather together. So I invite you right now to grab a Bible or listen along or follow along on the screen and turn to the book of 1 John. And I'm just going to do the first four verses for us. It says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So one of the most interesting things I think about uh, these books of the Bible, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that come to us at the end of the Bible, is if we think all the way back to when they were written, one of the things that we need to realize is that we didn't, in that time, they didn't have all of the gospel stories in one place. We get to benefit from having all of these wonderful books together for us to read and explore and build our church on. But in the early church time frame, they may have only had one book that they were reading. So a community might have a, a Matthew community, or there might be a Markin community or a Luke community, and they would build their church reading the scriptures that they had off of that text and that gospel. And that doesn't mean that they were too different, but we know that the ways in which they were communicating were different, so we might think of it like denominations, you know, that there's different expressions of the same faith. And so when uh, 1 Peter is written by John, he is addressing a community, most likely, that was built all off of his gospel, and he's trying to teach them what it really means to live into the words of the gospel of John, because we know over time, what can happen is that barnacles on the whale begin to grow, right? That uh, as things get older and teaching upon teaching is made and interpretation and different people as the game of telephone, as things are passed on, all of a sudden new teachings can crop up and interpretations. And so what John is really trying to do in this gospel is to say, okay, what is the essential thing? What do you need to know more than anything else? about this message that I have come to bring to you. Let's clear out all the mess. We'll find out as we explore this gospel. There was definitely some mess going on in this early church. And so John comes and he says, I want to clear it all up. Let me take you all the way back to the very beginning. And not only that, let me tell you that I, John speaking, has seen firsthand what I'm about to tell you. And he's bringing his personal lived experience to this church. It's not just head knowledge for John. This is something that he has 
touched and seen and known for himself and deeply desires to get right for the next generation as things are being passed on. And I think that's a good thing for us to think about, right, on our 75th here, this big birthday of ours, um, to think about the way in which we get to live a season within the life of this church. And there are those before us who have lived a season within the life of this church. Towering figures have stood where I am standing, and they have proclaimed the gospel good news message. They have built this church, and they have taken us through different storms and seasons of life, and now, in this most unique of seasons, we stand holding the baton as a church, and we must think, how do we, in our time, in our place, in our season, bring this essential message that was handed to us into the future? What a sacred calling. What a gift that God has given us that we, in turn, get to give to each other and to the next generation. And so John says was, is a beautiful summary of what we should and what the church should always be passing on. What those who have been before us have passed on all the way back to the very beginning and to this day right now. And I love that we have this tradition that we stand on that we don't come with the new and latest and greatest or be blown by the wind to and fro, but we come with this essential message that we found in verse 2. Ultimately, it is this, the life appeared, which is Jesus. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life. That's verse 2, the eternal life. And I want to unpack that word a little bit in our time together because eternal life is a word that has a lot of connotations. Like if I asked you what eternal life was, my guess is that a large number of us would probably start talking about heaven. The first thing that we want to talk about when we talk about eternal life is where we're going when we die. But that's not how Jesus or John actually would answer that question. And that's not what is being discussed here in 1 John as the instruction that's being passed on to this church. It seems as though John thinks that eternal life has something important for the church he's speaking to in their current context to help them understand what is most important. One of the reasons for this, if I could just teach for a moment, is that there are two words, actually, in our Bibles that are both translated as life. And I want to see one verse. I think we have the verse that we're going to look at. Do we have this? Um, in which John talks about these, uses two words for life, and it draws out the contrast of these words. So we can see on the screen, I've put the Greek translation of the life next to the words. You know this verse, John 12, 25 says, anyone who loves their life, and then the Greek word is psyche, that can be translated as soul or life, and then he says, will lose it. So if you love your life, these are the words of Jesus, then you will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life, psyche, 
And this world will keep it for eternal life. Different word, zoe. Okay, and so to the first readers of the Greek text, they would have known the contrast of these two words. And so let's draw it out a little bit. So psyche is like when we're talking about all the external things that go on within our lives. When somebody asks you if you are having a good day, you're probably answering that question with, well, yes, I'm having a good day. My relationships are going good. My job is going good. Um, The things that I want in my life, I'm achieving them and I'm growing. Um, Or I'm having a bad day, my relationships aren't going good, I'm maxed out, Um, sickness, uh, loss, all of these things would be the ways in which we say, I'm having a good day, I'm having a bad day. These are all ways of talking about externals, okay? And, and, And we might think of this like in a sky setting, right? If we look up at the sky, there's different kinds of clouds. Sometimes the clouds usually for us are pretty mellow around here. What a blessing that we get that. Did you know that uh, when we were meeting outside, there was only two times we had bad weather for an entire year? Are you kidding me? That's unbelievable, okay? And how blessed are we to live here? We have all of these wonderful clouds that don't mess with us too much. But if you've ever been to a place where clouds mess with you, you know they can be menacing, right? And just dump rain and, uh, you know, lightning and all kinds of things that can fill out the sky. And so clouds might be calm one day and might be extremely intense the next day. And so we talk about the externals of our life this way, right? I mean, if you want some excitement in your life, you want some storm clouds, just wait a little bit. They'll come. And if you're just overwhelmed by the storm, the good news is just wait a little bit. Things will calm down again. These are the externals, the truth of the externals of our life. Well, the contrast here in if we are able to surrender these externals, there's a promise of a new kingdom that comes into play that Jesus is speaking about here, where he's saying if you would lay down your psyche life, that you could actually pick up this Zoe life. And the Zoe life and the metaphor of the sky is the sky. Because the clouds are bringing whatever they bring, but the sky is always there. It is the context. And we think in terms of time and categories of time, but Actually, eternal life is probably best summarized as having no beginning or no end outside of time. It is the context of everything and all things. So as things rise and fall in our lives, it does not change eternal life. And what John is really trying to teach this church is that what Jesus came to do is to reveal this eternal life to show that there is a new way of being and living that isn't contingent on circumstance and reactions to circumstances, but is able to weather every storm. One of the most beautiful ways this is depicted in our hymnody um, is by a guy named Horatio Stafford. And you may know him because Um, He wrote one of our most famous hymns in one of his most challenging seasons of life. 
he uh, lost his four-year-old daughter to the Chicago fire. And he also had uh, a great business investments in places that burned up in that fire and was a lawyer and, and lost all that he had during that season. And he decided to pick up and go do some hymns for D.L. Moody overseas. But he was delayed in his journey, but he sent his wife and their four daughters ahead of him. And when they were on that journey, they too ended up in a sea wreck. And so he got this famous letter from his wife that said, I alone survived. And he lost his four daughters. And it was at that time that he took to writing, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. That is a testament to the Zoe life. Because there's nothing about the externals of that that would bear to write such a beautiful song that is sung at memorial after memorial, at church after church, that helps people endure through all the seasons of life and the way that Jesus invites us to go through them. What a beautiful picture. As I was um, sitting, thinking about this day many, many, many months ago, um, I was praying and asking God, God, what could be a verse for St. Andrews in this season after our 75th? What could be something that we should be thinking on and should mark this season of our time together? And so if you have your bulletin, it's on there. I think we have it on the screen. As I was praying and reading through uh, the book of Hebrews, I thought that this would be an appropriate saying for us, and you're going to see it all over the church now. It just says this, let us receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And there's two ways to look at a church, right? I mean, we are 75 years old, and all the elders and the team that take care of this church know that when you're 75, you need a little upkeep, you need to take care of things around here, Things get old, and there's kind of an endless way in which we're trying to steward just the physical building and all the things that are going on. Um, and why do we do all of these external upkeeps and try and take care of a 75-year-old church, right? It's because we don't think just about the psyche life of the church, just the physical things that are going on in the life of the church. What we want to be thinking about is the way in which every week we come here to receive this kingdom, this kingdom that goes through every season and will last forever. And really all we do is receive. As we sing, as we pray, as we take communion, we receive. And so many faithful have done that for so long. And as we think about this past season, one of the things that was in my heart as I was thinking about this verse was the ways in which our foundations were tested. 
and we were asked to think deeply about what matters most to us. If I can't meet in a building, am I still going to worship God? Am I still going to care about church and fellowship and compassion and justice and service? When things go south, all of a sudden we have to ask these big questions. What is my true foundation? What do I really believe in? What do I stake my life upon? What is this church uh, built on? What's its foundation and can it last such a season and such a storm? And Jesus, in his most famous sermon at the end, teaches us what we truly need at the foundation, right? He says that we need to build our life on the Word of God. Now, we can build a nice, glorious, beautiful mansion to the sky, but if we don't have that foundation, if we build that thing on sand, it will pass away. But if we have the foundation of the word of God, then we are firm and secure and we receive this kingdom together. And so I'm so thankful that St. Andrews and those first uh, members of St. Andrews gave us this foundation of the word of God. We stand on it. We stand on this firm and secure foundation that was tested perhaps like no other over the last year. And yet we stand firm, receiving this kingdom in every circumstance and place. And I want to show you one more phrase that you're going to see around that helps us to think through how we're articulating this in this new season as well. It says this, a traditional church for a modern people. So the first part of this, talking about traditional, is not saying any kind of form of worship or any methodology like that. What means to be traditional is to hold the sacred tradition, the witness of the church. And for the last six weeks, we've been going over what is the tradition that we get to hold as a church, these six streams, this great tradition of the church that in a way we steward and care for and invite people into and we say, we have a wealth, don't we? We have such a great wealth in this book uh, that, and, and a great wealth within our Christian community to offer to those who are willing to come, willing to come and experience all that we have. And so part of what we're doing is saying, we will keep this tradition. We put our life on this foundation, this eternal life, this eternal truth, this kingdom. What a sacred privilege it is to hold that. But as we've just seen over the last year, there's also this unique opportunity in every season. So this is what we mean by modern people, that we'll always be a modern people, that life changes, things change. You know, we might be casting nets in order to seek and save the lost one way for a certain amount of time, but eventually those nets will tear and we'll need to repair them or need to replace the nets. And so we have this tradition that we bring forward, but the methods by which we bring this tradition forward will always be changing. As we change, as people change, and so we will have this beautiful mix 
of a traditional church for a modern people, that your job is to take all of this rich tradition and make it yours and live a life, let God live a life through you into the world that expresses it for this time in which it's so desperately needed. And then the writer, the gospel writer, John, who is now speaking to a church, he says, if you would do this, if you would pass on this message, then you would make my joy complete. And that's what I want to reiterate to all of you as a pastor of this church, that if you would pass on this message for the next 25 50, 75, however long, that it would make my joy complete. And I also, more than anything else, know that it would make God glad. He's glad that you are here to receive and celebrate all that he has for you. And he desperately desires to bring all that St. Andrews has to this community that so desperately needs a strong foundation and to learn to receive the kingdom of God which cannot be shaken. And so this message that I receive, I pass on to you. May we make God glad and may we know his joy. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the 75th, that another year we get to worship you in this place, in this place that has heard so many songs and has seen so many tears fall, has been there for weddings and memorials and for people to come to know you for the first time and for people to live their last day on earth with you before they get to be with you in heaven. May we never forget what it means to be your church, to be your people. And we thank you, God, for the sacred privilege of eternal life. We now give up all of the external so that we can have what is eternal in you. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Will you stand and let's sing together.